going on everybody and Niner fam out there uh this is the Niner Fanatic podcast and I am your host Peter Lucas today I have with me uh, another special guest he's been on the you've probably seen him on my show before and I've been on some other shows with him also it's uh Chris Polo uh Chris why don't you let him know where where they can find you on the socials yeah if you uh find me on Twitter um it's just in dis- my display name right now so it's just Chris Polo with two underscores if you go to my bio also there's my link tree um, my YouTube channel's on there you should, should subscribe to that once I hit 100 subscribers I'm like 15 away doing a Nick Bosa jersey giveaway um also I try to put some stuff like the audio on Spotify Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music and I'm going to start doing more live streams too and I also got myself on Twitch and it's all in the link tree there so that's where you can find me but thanks for having me on again Peter Hey, dude, I'm really happy to have you on today. Like, uh, you're one of my, uh, honestly, you're one of my favorite guests to have on because uh, I think we have a lot of similar views on yeah. uh, on the 49ers. Not so much in basketball, but, you know, this, <laughs> this, this isn't that type of show. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, like, so we were talking about it off air, and and honestly, we're, we're like kind of, all of us content creators are out here just kind of grabbing for anything to talk about. But that's why I kind of named this show non-stories is because we've got a whole bunch of non-stories out there. And like you start your I, I wanted to start today like uh, talking about, you know, the the video that everybody's been talking about all day and yesterday about the uh, video of Edelman agreeing with Martellus Bennett's statement about Jimmy G. Uh, and it's really such a non-story because, I mean, they're talking about the way that, you know, he called him something that I'm not going to really repeat on air, but like, I'm just, it, the way I look at it is that was when he was on the Patriots. He didn't know that he was going to, he didn't know if he was getting traded or not getting traded. His, his uh, agent wanted to keep him healthy. That's the way I kind of look at it. So I think, I feel like it's kind of a non story other than Martell has been just opening his mouth, uh, which he did that a lot in his playing days. But uh, do you think NFL players really respect Jimmy? as a as a qb it's it is a little interesting and i think the reason it's more interesting for niner fans is because whenever people or players talk about jimmy g they talk about how great of a guy he is and how great of a leader he is you have eric armstead basically saying like he, he saved them um personally i always thought like they're lying without lying at the same time <laughs> in certain ways like um at least the Niners players and maybe obviously not necessarily like Edelman and stuff like that. Um, but he's the team's starting quarterback on the roster. So like, what else can they say about him other than talk about how much they love the guy and how much they respect his leadership and all that. Um, I think you start to hear certain things about how like players on the chargers or during the joint practice were like laughing at him when he was practicing. And you start to hear 
um, like the Chiefs players after the Super Bowl, like thank God they stopped running. Um, <laughs> like th- there's lots of people in media that start to like call Jimmy out for like basically just handing the ball off and stuff. But I think the one interesting thing um, that you could maybe there that there's maybe to think about here is Julian Edelman is not a current NFL player. Right, he's not someone that's on Jimmy's team sure. anymore. He's retired and he's out of the league, so he can be more free with everything that he says, really about anybody in the league. So, um, the stuff that he did say about how he wanted to protect his body and he decided to not play—that's where it does get a little more interesting too for this situation because it does kind of line up with how the shoulder surgery situation is being handled. Because although yes, he's definitely got to protect his body, I don't blame any players for doing that one bit. Um, but it was kind of like the whole thing of, oh, did they really just time that in a way to really screw his own trade value as kind of like some pettiness back and forth between the Niners and Jimmy G's camp. So um, there's that part where it's kind of interesting. So when you hear that story about Edelman telling everyone how, yeah, he basically decided to just not play and they were all pissed about it, uh, it starts to like, okay, now there might be a pattern here. Um, And it seems like there's some like feelings toward his agent too is what they're really mentioning like it's his camp in general um so i think that players in the niners do give him a much bigger pass and and the interesting part of it as well is that maybe i'm reading a little too much into it but um the guys that are talking about that like julian edelman specifically he's a super bowl champion like he he played with guys like tom brady that were legitimate Mm -hmm. leaders and that was an organization that just had a great culture of consistent success for years probably with the best in terms of like consistency throughout you know or at least longevity of success um and he kind of understands the difference between like getting so close and what it really takes to get to that point to reach that goal of being a champion and consistently staying in that position and what that takes mentally and physically um and the sacrifice that goes into it and the players on the Niners had not really seemed to associate winning with Shanahan. It's more just Jimmy because some of them were on those teams that were really, really bad. Um, and once Jimmy got there, obviously the win streak happened. So Trey Lance will likely change that, but Edelman could, you know, probably easily see the difference between a guy like Tom Brady, for instance, and Jimmy G and just the difference in attitudes. But yeah, it is interesting just because of the whole shoulder situation, I think. Yeah. I mean, initially when I looked at it, I was, I was, intrigued of course just because just because i mean it's like we literally have nothing to talk else to talk about but uh, like uh, i really the more i watched the video i watched it a few times because everybody was posting on twitter and it's really i mean they they know him as jimmy on the on the patriots they know him as they had him for a couple of years he didn't really he played a couple of games but they only know him from those couple of games that he played and the fact that he had to sit behind Tom, he got to sit behind Tom Brady the whole time. Uh, they didn't know at all the, the player that the 49er locker room got to know. And uh, so I really, if we look at him from a current standpoint, I don't think you can, I think it's a little unfair and, and I'm the first one not to be in a Jimmy apologist, but at the same time, you have to give the guy credit for trying to play through. He played through injuries last season, and he's played through injuries before. Even in 2019, he played through injuries. Uh, granted, that's the whole reason I feel like the 49ers went and got Trey Lance was just because uh, because they couldn't really count on him be, staying healthy, and like he missed almost two entire seasons. So like they really, he kind of really forced their hand. Not him, but his injuries kind of really forced their hand into replacing him but and of course i think that they wanted 
there's a part of Shanny that that knew that there's some more meat on that bone, like of that offense, that that he wasn't able to tap with Jimmy. So, but I think the injuries kind of gave him an excuse to to kind of flip that flip the switch and and go ahead and get the guy that he wanted. But as far as this story goes, I just look at it and like I said, it's just a tale of two different two different eras for Jimmy G. Like I mean, he was a he was a young guy and like didn't he was really kind of trusting his agent. I really think that he's doing that right now. I really think that that's why that's why we're in the position that we are right now is that his agent is telling telling him to do X, Y, and Z. And and now here we are. We're still about to go into training camp, and he's still on the team. Now, it, it's just, uh, yeah, to me, it's just, it, like I said, it's a non-story, but it's always interesting when you don't have any stories to talk about to to see, like, the, the other side of the locker room. Yeah, but, and, uh, and he was a backup at the time, too. So at that point, saying. if there's an opportunity for him to be a starter, he's definitely not going to want to put his body in jeopardy like he knew he was never gonna actually take tom brady's spot whereas now when he's playing through injuries it's like well i'm the starter and this kid was brought in to literally replace me so yeah, at exactly. that point like kevin was just saying in the chat like his job was on the line and, and not just not necessarily even the job with the niners but just in general like just trying to prove to everyone else hey i can be a starting quarterback and that is not going <laughs> not going very well so far for him i would say so but yeah I th- I mean with Jimmy with Jimmy like it it's interesting cuz people talk about his leadership and stuff like that but obviously we all kind of realize the the thing that no one really talks about with him is skill. Like that yeah. that's what no one ever brings up with Jimmy G and that's kind of all you really need to know in terms of what people say about him like when Emmanuel Sanders went on I think it was morning football and they're asking about him like what else do you want him to say of course he's going to go up there and say like how good of a leader he is and stuff like that. So national media always trying to get down to the bottom of it, just always asking the same wrong questions and they're always getting the same answers. And that's why they think, Oh, Manuel Sanders says Jimmy G's a great leader. So that's what he is. And they don't see anything else. Yeah. It's, and I mean, but when you're, yeah, like you said, when, when they're looking for, when a, a quarterback gets to the, to the NFC championship and gets to a Super Bowl, you have to, as a media member, they gotta find something that gives them a reason. There's gotta be a reason why he made it that far. And because in this era of quarterbacking, like literally, we like we put everything on the quarterback all the time. So it's Brady that got that got Tampa Bay to the to the Super Bowl. It wasn't that they were already ready, they already had a ready team. They just added Brady on. Like uh, it was Brady that got him there. It was uh, who, whoever. It was Peyton Manning that got the Colts there. It was all the great. It's a, it's Mahomes. It's always the quarterback. They always like to put it on the quarterback. They never really talk about the real, like the entire team. So, it, yeah, like I just feel like it's, um, it's, it's really kind of uh, you get tired of the of the rhetoric from the national media about how much of a leader Jimmy is and yeah. how he is a. Uh, how they can't they couldn't do it without him and well Kyle Shanahan didn't didn't get anywhere without him yeah when when you got CJ Beathard exactly and Nick Mullins as the other options no no yeah he's better than those guys but i mean and that's not saying it, a lot at all <laughs> i'm just saying like i mean who those guys are fighting for to get a job in the NFL right now yeah so really what are we talking about but i want to say what's up to the guys in the chat uh Mike and Mariah and uh, and kevin like thanks guys for watching like uh but yeah 
it, it's it's just a uh, I wish that we could have had a more amicable release. And I think if if Jimmy G would have gotten traded like a long time ago, like not like at the beginning of the offseason, that I don't think we'd be talking as bad about him right now. Yeah, because uh, we would have we would have totally just been fine with it, just moving on. But like exactly. him still being here is just like I think it's tired out the entire Niner fan base. Because yeah. we know that he's gone, but because he's still here and it has nothing to do with the fact that he has a chance to play with them, it has all to do with the fact that if they cut him now, they're on the hook for $7.5 million. But him being here just allows people to create the narrative like, what if he, who should start a quarterback? And it's just an annoyance at this point. Yeah, he's like that. He's like that guy at the party that just won't go home. Yeah. And you're just, yeah. and you're just like, hey, man, you're, you keep looking at him. Hey, you know. Time like, to I want to go to bed, <laughs> like, uh, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, so Jimmy should finally be throwing in the next couple of weeks. Do the, the 49ers find a trade partner or do they wait till week one to cut him? Uh, what do you think about it? I'll let you go first on that. I think he gets cut very fast. Um, <laughs> I think like as soon as he's healthy enough to, to pass a physical, like they might like try to shake the tree to see what falls out, but I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, like, for instance, in terms of a fit for him, I could see him going to Cleveland because they're looking to unload Mayfield, and he was basically mm-hmm. saying, I like they've moved on. Um, and I think that being in a situation with a good O-line, having Nick Chubb to hand it off to, having Amari Cooper there, like he has talent that could maybe bail him out. So what better spot for Jimmy G than to be on a team like that? Um, I, and, and the thing is, I just don't see anyone giving up actual trade or giving up actual like draft capital or giving up any players to get him knowing the Niners are in a situation where if you were to keep him and have him on the roster week one that would be so blatantly stupid because you have 25 million sitting on the bench (laughs) and you're you have this Debo situation over your head right now and also just in general even if you had the money why would you even entertain the possibility of that divide in that locker room with that quarterback you just invested everything into so that wouldn't make any sense i think he's gone gonna be cut i think teams are gonna call that bluff and just understand like listen they're gonna call us for a trade we don't have to do anything and honestly because if i'm the browns or if i'm somebody else I don't think Jimmy G is going to move the needle for my team to the point where I'm going to feel like I really missed out. If someone else were to beat me to getting him, I'm not going to care all that much in all. Honesty. Yeah, no, like, uh, and I mean, I just look at it the, the way I'm, I'm look, I'm still looking at it is. So I feel like the Niners are going to camp a little bit later than other teams. <laughs> and uh, I think that there's a lot of teams that are going to go like a week. They, to be honest, like the, the 49ers, are looking, I think they're still looking to get anything that they possibly can. And they're waiting to see if somebody gets hurt. Uh, I do agree with you on the, on the Brown, the Browns uh, take, but I still think that Carolina is a, a player in this because I think with Baker rumored to go to Seattle, which we don't really know. Nobody really knows. Yeah. But uh, if, if that happens, then I could totally see uh, them needing that. Like everybody's kind of talking right now about a trade maybe the 49ers eating some of that sam darnold money and then doing a swap him for darnold uh which i i would i think i'd be open to that like if it depends on how much of a how much of uh his pay are we gonna have to eat like uh i think more than eight million i say no like uh but 
But other than that, like, I don't think I would mind taking uh, taking on Sam Darnold and letting him be our backup uh, because he doesn't have any cachet in the locker room. But he's a but he's a guy that started in the league, and I think that that's something valuable that you can to have on your bench. I don't know yeah. what you think about that. The 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 problem with that to me is they paid Nate Sudfield, and you're going to have a guy like that making a few million guaranteed to not even be active. I, I that's where well, he's I, not going to be active like, anyway. He's yeah, not yeah, going to be active anyway. He's not going to be active anyways. Unless, well, if 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 Trey's the well, not if when Trey's the starter. I assume Sudfield's number two and he'll be the second string. So that that's the thing for me is if you have Sam Darnold, now you have three quarterbacks that are getting guaranteed pay because Brock Purdy's probably just going to be a practice squad guy. Um, yeah. And I feel like I wouldn't even want to do that, but I, I don't know. Like the, I the, think the Brock Panthers Purdy... to me, the Panthers to me, I don't <laughs> I don't even understand why they would trade for Baker Mayfield at this point because he just drafted a quarterback yeah. as well. It just doesn't even make sense. So yeah. we'll see if they actually do that. Um, or, or sorry, not Baker Mayfield, but Jimmy G. We'll we'll see if they pull off anything like that. Um, but I mean, I do hope Baker Mayfield goes to Seahawks. I would love Nick Bosa to yes. see him twice a year. I would love it. Like, uh, but I just look at it because I'm just thinking about it in the the aspect of they Jimmy did, especially if Trey Lance has a good year this year. It's going to show everybody, oh, well, Jimmy G can be a perfect transition quarterback for your next big guy, uh, for your next guy. And then, and now you're seeing, he can be that, he can be the new uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> he's like, he'll just get passed around the league for everybody that needs a, that has a new quarterback waiting in the wings. And I could totally see that for Jimmy G just because he's, he's serviceable. He's just never going to be the guy. And, right. uh, but yeah, so that's the only reason why I could see the Panthers, the Panthers maybe taking a look at him, uh, because I do think that he's a better option than Sam Darnold. Like, uh, I think, uh, and Brock Purdy, as far as Brock Purdy thing, I think Brock Purdy, like hot take, I think Brock Purdy is going to beat out Nate Sudfeld for the for the number two spot in the in camp. I I just do. There's something in the back of my mind, like uh, the that I just think that it's going to happen because I think absolutely nothing of Nate Sudfeld. I think he's terrible <laughs> and, and he is, I, I haven't, I've have yet to see him play good football ever. And, in and Kyle Shanahan said that Brock Purdy has traits that remind him of Nick Mullins. Yeah. <laughs> when I, when so I read that, you already I was know. Like, oh man. <laughs> so uh, second string confirmed. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, cause Nick go. Mullins, the smartest guy in the room, always the smartest guy in the room. Yeah. So, yeah, I yeah, I just really think that I think that like you, I think he's going to end up getting released. But I think if he does get traded, I think it's going to be Carolina. Like uh, that's the way I'm looking at it. Uh, but so another non-story comes out about Debo not rescinding his trade trade offer. What what level of worry do you have that the 49ers aren't going to get a deal done by training camp? I have no worry, and, and part and there's multiple reasons why I have no worry. The, I think one, if they really knew or had an idea that they weren't going to get a deal done, they would have traded him for that tenth pick from the Jets. For sure. Um, why? Why on earth? Like, could they actually be that stubborn to the point where they really thought, "Oh, we might not get a deal done. Let's just hold them anyways and see what happens." I really <laughs> doubt it. Um, yeah. And I think also the reason I'm not really worried is because it's just like I said earlier, like. I think everyone's just annoyed 
by the combination of this, the fact that Debo hasn't been figured out, and by the fact that Jimmy hasn't been figured out either. It's like both situations. It's like just just get rid of one guy, figure this one out. It's like it's like these two things are in the opposite places that we want them to be in right now. Um, but I think they're going to get a deal done before week one. Uh, if they don't, I don't think he's going to be a Niner beyond this year because I don't see him at that point possibly re-signing long-term. I don't see him playing on any type of franchise imagine, tag or anything like that. Could you that. imagine if he goes in with still no deal? Like, I, I can't even imagine. Yeah, there's no way. Like, after everything he did last year for them, sacrificing his body, it, like, one injury, one snap of an ankle, teams are going to use that against him. And he's yeah. going to be like, yeah, you guys screwed me over, and he's not going he's not going to like that. So um, I just really want them to get it done as soon as possible so that he can be on the field, making sure he's in shape, participating in camp, getting reps in with Trey Lance going into the season so that your young quarterback can have some confidence going to the year, having the repetition with Debo, having it with Ayuk. Because um, the thing is, Debo and his camp, I think they just know that the game that pretty much that the 49ers play when it comes to extending their players, like the contract extensions, it's kind of predictable at this point. I just think he doesn't want to play that game with them, doesn't really want to just sit around and, you know, wait knowing that this deal is possibly coming like just get it done now so i can just focus on my work i think that's kind of where his head's at he wants to play football but he at the same time just cannot allow himself to put himself at risk before being compensated it's kind of like he ledger's joker when he said like if you're good at something never do it for free now he debo's not playing for free but at the same time being an nfl player you know the the possibility of injury um, the way Debo plays, especially the fact that he's 26, this is probably the only time he can really cash out on a huge contract. He's got to make sure that he has compensation going forward before he risks any of that because he has had injury history. Yeah, for sure. And this this is the thing. This is the thing. He wanted to get paid. He wanted to get broke off. Now, now he like and everybody said that it would have been better for them to get the deal done early because then they don't have to worry about somebody else setting the market. Well, guess what? These these uh, in the beginning, two big deals with Tyreek Hill and I can't remember the other uh, AJ Brown. Yeah, Devontae Adams. They got their they got their deals and they were big, big uh, level setting deals. But then magically, well, then that AJ Brown deal came, which brought it down a little bit back down to reality. And then and now Terry McLaurin got his deal, which is is almost the exact deal and I don't know if Kevin is still even watching, but like, uh, but when we had a conversation a couple days ago, that it's uh, that that was the exact almost the exact deal that I said was going to happen for Debo, and I think that that's really what because Terry McLaurin is really kind of comparable. I feel with Debo, like uh, Terry McLaurin is a great receiver. He hasn't really had a quarterback to really show how great he yeah. is. Like, uh, and but I think that he's on that same that same tier with uh with with Debo. And I think that's what how a majority of fans and uh and executives kind of see him it, it's on that same level. So uh, that's that was what the level I kind of see him getting. I don't know about you. Yeah, it's something around there, maybe even if it's just a little more, probably just yeah. somewhere around there. Um I mean, it's kind of we had to see the guys that were in that same draft class get their deals to see what it was really going to look like like Devonte Adams, Tyreek Hill, you can make the arguments for those guys like, well, they've been doing this way longer. Whereas these guys, they're getting their first extensions. Like it's possible they end up, we end up seeing a DK extension before we see Debo. Who knows? Yeah. Um, 
So we just got to kind of wait and see. But man, every time I think about this, I'm just like, I go two ways. One, I think, damn, we picked Jalen Hurd instead of picking Terry McLaurin when we could have had him. But then I think imagine? to myself, yeah, and that's exactly what happens, I imagine. And then I think to myself, oh, that means in the Super Bowl, Jimmy would have overthrown Terry McLaurin instead of Emmanuel Sanders. <laughs> that would, would have been the same spot. But yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be somewhere similar. Um, I think it's a really good step forward getting closer to the Debo extension. I think we're all just kind of anxious to just see Jimmy get sent away and see Debo finally sign that contract. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's coming. And uh, I just think that, like, like I said earlier, it's a non-story in my, in my opinion, it's just people grasping for straws, something to talk about uh, because there literally is nothing uh, on anybody's news except for Deshaun Watson. And I don't think anybody right. wants to go down that road. Like the headline for Debo, like, it's not untrue, but it's also not new. Like it, yeah. it's not like it's not. It was like, like okay, new. tell us the exact same thing that yeah. we already knew. Yeah, like, they're just like reshuffling just the words a little bit, and it's <laughs> yes. the exact same situation. Like this has not changed. Like the dude was flying to the bay to go to Warrior Games, and then people were like, "Oh, he's in the bay," and then right after the game, he's back in the airport. <laughs> he's going to yeah. Texas or something. Yeah, and then he was in L.A. Like, or he said he didn't. He didn't uh, practice, or he didn't practice, or didn't train in LA. And then, of course, they got him in LA. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it, it, it's just, yeah, it's just a bunch of nonsense. But uh, so, what? Let's let's move on from like the not like kind of the non stories, and let's get into what. Let's get into Trey Lance a little bit. Trey Lance, I feel I like all of us Niner fans are really excited about Trey Lance coming in this coming season, right? So what do you see as a successful season for Trey Lance, like is regarding like yards, touchdowns, uh, the amount of interceptions, even wins? Like what what do you think is a successful season for Trey? It's tough because I, I, I yeah. have high like I am very hopeful that he's going to have a great year, but I also just don't want to set the, the unrealistic expectation. Like I look at what Jimmy G is able to do knowing that one, he's not mobile. It's a guy mm-hmm. that can't push the ball down the field. He can't throw outside the numbers. And a lot of his yards that are coming off yards after the catch. So assuming the offense is healthy and the offensive line is holding up, I could see him having like, you know, like the 3,500 yards. I think that would be great in a first full year playing, um, especially in a, you know, not playing a lot in college and having to sit last year. And it being a run-heavy offense, I think that's the part where it's tough is because this is a very run-first physical team where it's kind of hard to think, okay, what really is a successful stat line for Trey Lance as a quarterback Mm -hmm. when they're not exactly an aired-out football team? I think if I'm going combined touchdowns, I want to say I think he can get around like the 28 range because I think he'll have over 20 touchdown passes if he's healthy 100%. I think he'll probably have closer to like 24, 25. Um, Mm -hmm. If I want to be like conservative with it, I think he's capable of getting to 30, but I want to be a little more, you know, cautious with that. Um, I think he'll have some rushing touchdowns in there. So we're around like the 28, like high twenties, maybe low thirties and total touchdowns would be incredible. Um, Interceptions. It's going to come like, it's going to happen. There's going to be the games where he makes mistakes. He has a bad throw. Um, If he's around like the 12 range with that amount of touchdowns, I think that's acceptable. I mean, it's his Mm -hmm. first, full year he's there's going to be growing pains like it's going to take a handful of weeks before he really starts to settle in and also throughout the year obviously defensive coordinators they're going to get more tape on him they're going to try to counter him a lot more so there's going to be a lot of adjusting um 
And I think that the team does kind of, I, I think that with, with wins, the schedule's tough. Like playing the whole AFC West is really tough. Yeah. Uh, but even then, like, as well as our division. <laughs> yeah. But even then, like, if I look at the secondary that this team has now, um, if healthy, I could see them getting at least 10 wins. And if they get nine, they get nine. But it's kind of hard to tell. Um, Cause we also don't know, like the AFC West changed dramatically. Like we don't know what those teams are really going to look like. Like this is the chiefs without Tyreek Hill. Now, how big of yeah. an impact is that going to play? Um, I still think they're going to be an elite team. Um, mm-hmm. You got the Broncos with Russell Wilson and we're very familiar with the Russell Wilson effect and he's beat us with bad teams. So yeah, I don't even like to think about that matchup. Like, yeah. Uh, and, and you got the chargers who added JC Jackson and Khalil Mack. So they spent the money on defense. Um, they have a, they're going to have, I think, one of the best defenses in the league. I don't know about against the run, but that secondary and also their edge rushers kind of crazy. Um, you got the Raiders adding Chandler Jones. So it's it's going to be interesting. I, I say around the same amount of wins as last year, somewhere around there, around 10, 11, just because I think the schedule's harder. Like after the first part of the year last year, they had a very favorable schedule heading into the last portion of that year. So um, this year, I just I see tough matchups all over the board. I just think the Niners are such a good team, and I don't think, or at least I don't believe, Trey Lance is going to be putting them in a situation where the offense is like handicapped the way that they kind of were with Jimmy G due to his limitations as quarterback. So I think because of that, it can counter some of those matchups that we see that are tougher because I think Kyle Shanahan having the ability to fully open things up, they'll be able to win some of those games that a lot of analysts are going to look at before the year and say like, Oh, they're going to lose to them. Yeah. But Kyle Shannon, we're finally going to see him like have a quarterback. He can fully open his playbook to. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I completely agree with you. It's so the more, and when I was writing this, this, these notes for, for this episode, like uh, I was thinking about like my answer for this question. And the more I, the more I went down the rabbit hole, <laughs> like it was, there was so many things, external factors to think about because you've got what does does Kyle really want to open up the offense does Kyle want to just keep the same offense you just got Trey in it and because it does have natural shots down the field and does he just call the same exact plays how he always calls it and he just lets Trey do his thing does it I mean does Trey excel in that in that type of offense do they just run the ball keep running the ball 35 to 40 times and all these questions are spinning around in my mind, but I come, I come up with like uh, that. I think he's going to have around, around the 3,500 yard uh, range. Uh, I think like you, he's going to be 25 to 30 touchdowns interceptions. I think he's going to be low in interceptions. I think he's going to be no more than 10, like, uh, because I don't think he's going to throw the ball enough to get a whole bunch of interceptions. And uh, and he's been he's proven even in college he was like this he's really careful with the ball I think the one the couple of, of interceptions that he had last season like uh, were really him kind of just feeling out stuff and yeah. uh, the one that he had against against the Texans if he would have just given it I mean he made the wrong read but even then making the wrong read he he could have if he would have just thrown it a little harder it wouldn't have been it would have been a great throw. Like uh, it was just like an inch away from being a great throw. I, and I think with a full off season, a full tra- uh, training camp, full uh, preseason, I think we're going to, 
we're going to get to see a better Trey, a more confident Trey. And I really think that's the key for Trey is that is his confidence level and what he's seeing on the field and what uh, and him just may, being decisive about where he's going with the ball. So I think as far as like the win from the win column, I'm I'm putting the floor at 11 wins for this team because I look I look at and I think that they could win. I think they could win about 13 games just because I like you. I'm really, I'm really worried about the AFC West and I'm worried about our division. Like, uh, but the, I'm not worried about the Seahawks. And honestly, I I don't know why, but I'm not worried about Arizona either. (laughs) Like, yeah, I'm not either. Like, uh, even though they, uh, they swept us last season, like uh, I'm just not worried about them. I think that they, the one they blew, they blew us out. But I think that a lot of these things are going to be solved by not having Jimmy Garoppolo being back there, killing drives, and everybody gives. Th- this is one thing I do, and I know I'm going long, but like this is, this is one thing that I want to bring. A lot of people bring up Jimmy Garoppolo's third, third down <laughs> His stats. Third down numbers. I don't understand. I don't <laughs> understand it. Like uh, how many drives did this guy did stalled out because this guy couldn't make simple wide open, wide open throws. Like, uh, I don't care what his percentage was, honestly. Like it's it. Like when I watched the games, this guy did, was killing the offense. There was no continuity in the offense because he would keep trying to hammer the ball into the same spot, but I don't want to make this a Jimmy bashing set. This is really about Trey. Like, uh, and I just think that Trey is going, he's not worse than, than Jimmy Garoppolo. (laughs) And that's the main point. And yeah. that is that he's not going to not so much that he's not going to make the same mistake, but he just him taking those shots is going to open up the field and teams are going to have to respect it. Exactly. Yeah. Cause with Jimmy, when people talk about the third down stuff, it's like, it's crazy. Well, you know how many times he struggled to get his team a first down on second and short or something like yeah. that. And they're forced to be in those third down situations because the dude can't make a bunch of different throws. And Kyle Shanahan has to game plan around that. Like it just makes things a lot tougher. Um, I mean, literally the Green Bay game on third and seven, they literally handed the ball to Debo Samuel in the backfield instead of throwing the ball. Like no other team is doing that. Um, yeah, I, I... So, yeah, I think I think Trey has always been a good decision maker. I think his interceptions are more just going to come from the speed. Like, I think he'll make like probably the right reads, but I think the speed of the game might get to him in the beginning a little bit. Mm -hmm. First year, it's going to take some time, especially, you know, his his youth and not having the most experience exactly for young quarterbacks. So Mm -hmm. I think that'll get to him. Um, He'll have some throws or we're going to be like, okay. What the hell are you doing? But it's just, it's a rookie throw. Like, it's not a big deal. The problem with Jimmy was he wasn't making enough plays to offset those mistakes. Exactly. Trey Lance can probably make the plays to offset those mistakes and make up for it, or you know, be you know, do more to make sure that it feels like those mistakes didn't even really matter. Whereas Jimmy G, every time he makes a bad throw or every time he throws a pick, it feels like in some games, like the Cowboys playoff game. That was the only reason they were even in that game was because of that throw Jimmy made. Like yeah. those are the that's the difference is when Trey makes a mistake like the Texans game. Look at how he bounced back in the second half. That's yeah. the difference. And yeah, it's that and that's what gives us so much hope for this season is that is that we saw Trey make adjustments in a in a half, and 
Yeah. He didn't go back to making the same old mistakes. Jimmy will keep throwing the ball in the same spot over and over, over and over again. And to the point to where teams know that he's going there and he still is going to throw it to that spot. Mm-hmm. Like he's not looking off anybody <laughs> like uh, it's, it is what it is. And, but do you think Kyle comes out of the gate firing with Trey? Or like I said, do you think that he's going to just keep running the ball 35 to 40 times a game and just let, and just kind of ease Trey and let Trey kind of manage the game and take shots when they're there? I think he's going to ease him into it. Um, I think they're still 100% going to be heavily running. Like I think that's how, if Kyle Shanahan wants to win games, that's how he'd ideally like to win it. Mm-hmm. But I do think that he's not going to be afraid to draw up those shots for Trey Lance because I think Kyle's the guy where he's going to want to give Trey Lance that confidence. So yeah. I think knowing, like let's say the offense is executing better than last year, especially since like they were just not moving the ball in the first quarters of games last year to start out the year. Like it was just bad to start out the game. Yeah. Um, if they're if they're moving a lot smoother and they're getting up early, especially those first two games, you got some favorable matchups like with Chicago and Seattle. I think that maybe at some point in the middle of the first quarter or the second quarter, like after some successful runs, he might call a play action shot for Trey Lance to show you to show him like, listen, I know we're running the ball really well, but even when we're rolling there, I still believe in you to go take these shots at any point in the game. I Mm -hmm. think that it's going to be an important part, like for young players in any sport, they have to, you have to make sure that they're confident because if they're not confident, they're just not really going to become successful. Um, So putting Trey to, make sure he's in a position where he can be successful, which Kyle's great at. He did that for Jimmy as best as he could for years. Um, Being able to do that and also just showing Trey, like you're the man here and I believe in you to take this team to another level. I think that's going to do a lot for him mentally, especially um, the the slander that this guy's been getting for someone who (laughs) is supposed to redshirt for a year. It's pretty ridiculous. So, um, I think I think Kyle Shanahan's just excited also to probably finally get to utilize Trey Lance. I, I think that we saw it like week one, he literally threw Trey Lance in there to throw a touchdown in the like yeah. the first drive of the year. So um I, I think that I think he's gonna be really excited to draw up those shots for Trey. Yeah, and I and I sh- and I have said this on my show before. This Kyle just looks happy when he's doing these interviews and when he's doing uh, the like after OTAs and after minicamp, he he's constantly joking now. This is a new Kyle Shanahan that yeah. we really haven't he looked, seen. He looked like, miserable uh, last year. <laughs> yeah, like he was always upset. It's like Kyle, you just won, <laughs> and Kyle still. Uh, yeah, I feel like he was saying, uh, "I still have Jimmy on the team." Like, yeah, <laughs> like, and I'm, and yeah, we won, but I had to pull out my whole coaching bag to get it done. Yeah, and. And it's and we're at a point now to where I think he is so excited, not just about Trey. They finally, I really feel like, have a complete team. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, do they have? Do they have like a hole here or there that we think that they have? Yes. Like, uh, but, but the thing is, the thing is, is the depth across the board everywhere on this team is there. And this is he's. I don't think he's he's worried about injuries anymore. I don't think he's worried. I think they've even got, they've gotten better at managing that. And especially in the, the off season time and the OTAs and all this stuff, I think they've gotten, they've, they've kind of gotten their, they've learned from their mistakes, all that kind of stuff. I think this is the first 
season where I've seen Kyle feel comfortable talking to the media, talking about not necessarily giving anybody anything about what they're going to be doing, but he just, he doesn't, even when they're asking questions about Jimmy, he's like, yeah, he might, he might be here. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, like who, like he just moves on to what Trey, what Trey is going to bring them. And I think that even though he's not telling you that, that Trey is going to start, that's him telling you that Trey's going to start. <laughs> and yeah, uh, it's yeah. all the posturing stuff. It's funny whenever they're asked about Jimmy G and they're like, well, we're not just going to cut a really good quarterback. They're yeah. so lying. Like, yes, you are. <laughs> yeah. No, what they mean is where well, you can't just cut a good quarterback when it's going to cost you money. Like, so yeah, they're telling yeah. the truth and also lying at the same time. But um, yeah, I, I think he's definitely in a much better mood. The team itself, and I'm sure we'll talk about this in a second, but the depth at certain spots of this team are at a place that I haven't seen it before ever in a really long time or really ever in my lifetime in all honesty. Yeah. Ever. I like it. And I'm, I'm 44 years old. Like uh, I've got, I've been watching the 49ers for over 35 years and this, and this is the deepest team I've seen them have like from top to bottom. It's, it's crazy. The, uh, the amount of guys that they have that, and some guys that we don't even think is, are going to make the team, they're going to have to make some really hard decisions. And yeah, it's, and like I said, we'll get into that later, but it's, it's, uh, I always on all my shows, I get caught up talking about the depth because I'm so excited about not being hampered by injuries. Uh, I really feel like that's going to be a non-issue this season. The only injury, and I don't even want to speak it into existence. Like uh, that could, that could happen. I've said it a few times in spaces and everyone's like, Hey, I'm not even, I'm not even going to do it, but y'all know what it is. Like, so, and it's, uh, but I I would say that even the spaces lately, like we, that we've seen some of the Niner spaces, like uh, start to, that we were going through a lull, like where there were no Niner spaces for a while, but I think that we're finally starting to come back. They're amazingly positive for once. Yeah. It's, which is uh which is kind of weird because we're known as a toxic fan base right. but 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 yeah no i love i love all the guys in the spaces but it's it yeah it, i'm i'm just excited like i just don't know what kyle because kyle hides so much from everybody and kyle has a he definitely has an ego oh, so yeah. i'm i when i think about the offense that he's going to use for trey there really is no telling what he's going to do because what you think you and I think are the best things to do or the obvious things to do. Kyle's going to do the exact opposite because he thinks he's the smartest guy in the room a lot of the time. Right. And so we're, we really don't know. Like, but we're hoping we're hoping that he keeps the same offense. He just lets Trey thrive in that offense. And, uh, and I, I'm just worried that he's going to think too much on it and pull out the, the Trey package from the Arizona game where he's running him into oh. brick walls and that kind of stuff. Like uh, can't I have it. that game. I was at that game and I was just like, man, it, running him into the ground. I remember when he took that hit on the goal line too. It wasn't oh. designed for him to run, but still it was, was so like, ugly. Man, <laughs> a rookie quarterback taking these hits. Oh my gosh. But yeah, it, it's, it is what it is. Like, uh, I, I don't think that we'll know until, until uh preseason, probably get an idea. And even then Kyle is just notorious for not, not letting people know what he's going to do from game to game. Every right. game, it's going to look different. And, uh, but I think that we can be confident that Kyle is a really good play caller. And I did want to say something to what you spoke about with us starting slow out the gate. 
Kyle always likes to, and he's talked about it before. He always likes to run plays to see, to put the defense in a bind. He wants to see what that defense is going to do when he calls a certain thing. Mm-hmm. And so the, all those plays in the beginning, the first quarter are set, are set up to, or he's really setting up the defense for later. He's finding yeah. out what he's going to call for later. He's so, always thinking of the next play. Exactly. And so it's just, it it's not necessarily they're they're what what the hell calls but at the same time he he knows what's it like he see he calls it he can okay they're gonna do this like uh, when I call this so or when we give him this look so now we're gonna give him this look except we're gonna send him the other direction or whatever we're gonna turn it into a play action and it's gonna be a touchdown but like the difference was is that Jimmy couldn't make those throw those deep throws and now Trey's gonna be back there and there's gonna be a wide open guy down the field. Uh, for a touchdown and that's what i fully expect to see definitely so so now we now we can get to pff <laughs> another oh, another complete non-story but uh there was so there was an article from pff about ranking the 49ers secondary 16th do you think that this is an accurate portrayal of our secondary and i actually had to think about this like uh uh, but but do you think it's an actual act an accurate portrayal and what what reasons could they have for this ranking sometimes i think rankings like this from any analytical like departments or anything like that can sometimes have some randomness to it mm-hmm. i don't read into it too much because like we haven't even started the season yet but I think they've got to be somewhere at least in the back end of the top 10 i mean when emmanuel mosley was healthy he's been solid We've seen what Jason Verrett is when he's healthy and he's on the roster right now. Um, Traverius Ward was one of the highest ranked man cover corners in the league last year. He's on the roster now. Um, Jimmy Ward's been a solid safety as well. I think they can be one of the best secondaries in the entire league. I've never mm-hmm. seen a situation at the corner position for the for this team ever be this good before. Like when they yeah. signed Richard Sherman that was like a great, I thought of him like he was like the Draymond Green of that defense. Like he was like the vocal leader. He was in everybody's ear. He was always helping everybody as a mentor. And you got to um, figure might... out how to get a Warriors reference in there. Yeah, I had to, I had, to. <laughs> but like, I think like his leadership and his knowledge for the game as well made up for like a lot of the physical deficiencies since he was in the back end of his career where this is like Daniel Mosley's playing great. He's not old. Traverius Ward's been getting better every year. He's like 25 years old. They should probably get the best years of Traverius Ward on this contract. Jason Verrett, we just saw him healthy a couple years ago, and he was one of the best corners really in the entire league, if we see that. So the fact that they're on the roster, and we have Ambry Thomas, who filled in last year, who's going to be developing. Um, Jimmy Ward's been a really solid safety. who's constantly being underrated. Uh, I think that's why they're confident going with someone like Hufunga at safety, just because... They know about the depth that, you know, obviously with pass rushing that they've got, they know that they've got, I think, the best linebacker core in the entire NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have two guys who can be number one corners because Emmanuel Moses is their number one last year. And you've got Traverius Ward, who's now your number one. Jason Verrett's actually the third guy, who, if healthy, could be a number one. I think that's why they're comfortable saying, okay, as long as Jimmy's back there too, like we don't have to worry about that other safety position as much. So I think their secondary and it might be 
harder to isolate that for PFF just because they're looking at the linebackers. They're looking at the pass rush. But I think just the corners that we have, how greatly it's upgraded from last year, assuming healthy, I think mm-hmm. they got to be somewhere in that top 10. I'm not going to put them like in the top five or anything like that. But we saw how that whole defense was in the playoffs because the defense is not really healthy last year till toward the end of the year. And when we yeah. saw them finally healthy, like going into that Cowboys game, you know, that was the number one offense. I know that a lot of it was the pass rush, but that was the number one offense and they were shut down. Uh, we mm-hmm. look at the Green Bay game. Um, that's against the MVP of the league, the first seed team in the NFC, and they were shut in down. his house. In his in house. house. And I know then it was the Rams snowing, game too. Only twenty points. House. Yeah. So like like seeing how dominant that whole defense was, and a big part of that was the secondary. I think they got to be somewhere in the back end of the top ten. And if you're not going to put them there, putting them literally at the middle point of the entire league to me is pretty low. Yeah, it's pretty I, low. I completely agree with you. I am right right there with you as far as I think they should be ranked in that top 10 somewhere like uh, just yeah. because this was a this was a group last year that the, our defense was top five in the league yep and and I get and I look at and I you look at where they came from because early on we had the injuries like you were saying then all of a sudden uh, like and we we had Josh Norman starting for us oh, that that punched balls. Uh, punch out ball punch outs somehow became a stat like yeah it was that's how bad he was like uh he was letting people catch the ball and then trying to punch the ball out after the fact like uh, it was just uh yeah it was just terrible so but they were still in games even with that hat with him on the squad i give so much credit to D'Amico ryan's yeah because to to manage those injuries i thought solid did a really good job uh the the year even 2020 when we had so many injuries we still had a top five defense like it's it was crazy it's crazy how like uh how they're met how they're able to manage those and scheme around the uh the deficiencies that we had in the secondary last season any guy that got injured somehow D'Amico found a way to like kind of mask it and the guy wasn't a liability even Hafunga was a rookie Kyle didn't yeah. like to play rookies yeah he <laughs> like uh and Believe me, if they didn't have to play him, they wouldn't have played him. And he struggled at times in coverage, but at the for the most part, I thought he was pretty decent. But guess what? D'Amico was putting him in a position to succeed. And like that's that they were using his strengths. And I think that's what D'Amico is really good at is the fact that he just puts people in a position to succeed. He puts them in in uh, spots where their uh, where their skills are going to match up. And he is lucky, like you said earlier that he has a Fred Warner that can cover so much ground. And then you've got Aziz out of nowhere that, oh, yeah. that nobody thought was going to be Aziz last year. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and all of a sudden he can cover, mm-hmm. which, uh, which is amazing in itself. We didn't have Drake, Drake Greenlaw all last season yeah, for the most games. part. Yeah. Like, uh, and so we were expecting to have Drake Greenlaw, who's not bad in coverage. He's actually pretty decent in coverage, but now, so now this year you're going into this season with three good cover linebackers and as well at who's gonna they're still mostly gonna play zone i think i know that they said that they want to move they want to do some more cover one things because of the pass rush like uh which would make sense uh with them getting traverius ward but i mean being talking about the secondary in itself i think ambry thomas is going to be a big piece that if we did have holes to talk about it would be 
that that uh, that slot spot. Mm-hmm. And but I think it's more it's not so much a hole as much as I just can't figure out who they're going to put there. Yeah, because Emmanuel Mosley can play that spot. Like, uh, and they could put Avery Thomas on the other side of Shavarius Ward. I think Avery Thomas is huge about is confidence based. His his game is confidence based. If he is confident, like he can shut he can shut you down. <laughs> like uh, so, and I thought he made big plays down the stretch of last season and in the playoffs. So I just think that because people don't know what it's going to look like because we have so many bodies, like uh, that. They're just because they don't know they're gonna just rank us in the middle because they don't know. Yeah, we could you know really we could really end up with starting corners being Verrett and Ward outside, and then Mosley inside. It could very well Going be on that. Nate. The uh, but yeah, yeah. I just think that uh, that it's going to it's going to definitely be uh, well. Obviously, Shavarius Ward is going to be on one side. Like, uh, but then the question is is. I mean, what happens with the other side? Does Jason Verrett give you anything? Right. And does, I mean, that, I think that really is the key to what we're going to see is does Jason Verrett give you anything? Because if he gives you anything, he, I don't think he's going to play slot. I think he's going to play on the outside. Same. Yeah. And, and then it's going to just be a fight on who's going to be that slot guy. And, uh, and I think that E-Man is going to be the one to get it uh, more so than any other guy on the roster if that's the case, if E-Man is on the outside, then I'm really kind of looking at Samuel Womack. Like uh, that's, that's the guy I'm looking at because he looked the best in OTAs so far. Now in training camp, these guys' bodies are going to look completely different. They're going to be in shape. Oh yeah. Like it's going to be a completely different look. So like I said, these rankings are great. Like at, uh, as talking points, but the reality is, is nobody knows. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's why we're in the middle of the pack. And and imagine last year's defense if Verrett was healthy all year. Yeah, I mean, that's what like, I'm saying. That would have been ridiculous. But it was stupid. We all said it was stupid of them to plan for Verrett to yeah, be to be the main guy. Like it, how could you put all of your eggs in one basket when when the guy that was the first healthy season that he had had in yeah. how many seasons? So yeah. it was it wasn't a surprise when he went down. Like unfortunately, like uh, I just. I felt for the guy, but we we were all saying it right before the season that uh, how do you like we were expecting them to to draft like uh, to draft somebody and they drafted Ambry, but mm-hmm. we I think they were everybody was expecting them to draft somebody higher and like uh, and it's or at least go after somebody. But, yeah, yeah, I like uh, but they PFF uh, they did another ranking where they ranked. Uh, did you see that they ranked? Uh, I believe they ranked our linebackers number one. That that's accurate to me. I mean, without I think, without even mentioning Aziz's name, <laughs> I think heavily is because of Fred Warner. I think he's still the best inside linebacker in football. Um, I they were probably, I'm guessing they're factoring in Dre Greenlaw just because of the last few years, not really counting the fact yeah. that last year he didn't play. Um, Aziz, but yeah, Aziz has been like one of the biggest surprises if they can get a whole year where they actually have Fred Aziz and Greenlaw, I I don't like, that's a huge reason why even though they're going into this season with a quarterback who's not experienced because of the deficiencies that Jimmy G had, the fact that they're in an NFC title game 
looking at the upgrades that they have in the secondary, looking at the possibility if they're healthy to have like Greenlaw Warner and Aziz and the edge rushers um, and having Kinlaw playing this year too and seeing what we can get out of him. I really, I really do see this as a team. Like why can't they make it to a Super Bowl just because of how deep they are? Yeah, it's crazy. Like, I mean, Aziz was, uh, I I thought Aziz was solid the year before that. Mm -hmm. And like, uh, and I said, watch out. I I told everybody at that, at that point, watch out for Aziz. Like, I think that especially when he got a chance after, after Greenlaw went down, I said, well, this is a chance for, let's see what Aziz has. Cause I thought he was solid the year before, but, uh, but I mean, of course, of course you got to see it for the long haul. And then he just made a humongous stride. Like it was like, like he was like, he was the number one, like he was a first round pick. That's what yeah. he looked like. That's what it looked like. like. Uh, and it's, uh, but yeah, having Fred Warner who can, who is just all world in my mind. And even they said he had it off here last year, but yeah, I he think struggled that, to start out the year. Yeah. When people say that he struggled, I think of you had Aziz playing so well. And I think it was one of those Patrick Willis, Navarro Bowman situations. And I know people are going to say this is sacrilege bringing this up, but, but Navarro Bowman actually made Patrick Willis kind of look less than sometimes mm-hmm. like, uh, and I think that was what happened last year with, with Fred Warner. I think they took, he was learning some new roles with D'Amico Ryans, but Aziz hit the scene so hard that we, all of our eyes were on Aziz all the time. Cause he was flying all over the place. And that was what we were used to see. We were used to seeing Fred do all that stuff. And I just think that they had a little bit of different responsibilities. And uh, I just, I just think that they were taking a little bit of weight off of Fred, but it made him look a little less than because they didn't need him to do so much. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that could have been. But why do you last question of this segment? Why why does the media hate the 49ers <laughs> so much? Like I just don't get it. Yeah. I don't get it at all. Why do you think they they refuse to learn our guys' names? <laughs> like why oh do my you gosh. Think, why do you Joey think Joey Bosa? They won't give our guys any credit, like uh, when we when we win, because I have my own assumptions. But what what do you? Why do you think that is? I think since most of the national media is based from the East Coast, I feel like it's just I feel like they don't care about the West Coast as much, and I feel that with basketball sometimes too. Like if you look at a lot of the like shows. I mean, I feel like this Super Bowl, because the Rams were in it, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like this Super Bowl leading up to it, like after the NFC title game, I feel like it really was not that hyped up at all. And like, if I'm being honest, like it felt like media was always pumping up like Buffalo and Kansas City and Cincinnati way more than they were pumping up the Rams really all year. Um and I thought the Rams at the beginning of the year were going to go to the Super Bowl. Like I feel like there's just always that bias towards the East Coast. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because like you'll see it all the time. Like I can transition to NBA a little bit. It's like because these shows on ESPN and stuff, they're all based out of like you know Bristol, Connecticut, or New York. And a team in California wins the NBA Finals, but like people are talking about like the Brooklyn Nets. Or and it's like before the Kyrie drama, like people are still talking about like players on the nets or like going into the NBA finals, right? Like the power indexes that 
ESPN would come out with saying that Boston had like an 86% chance. Like I just see that constant pattern of national media being so infatuated with East coast teams and East coast players and different sports. Whereas when it comes to West coast, it feels like it takes a lot more to get the respect from national media. I don't know what it is in all honesty, like obviously not all these outlets are solely based out of the East coast, but I mean, it's just like embarrassing to be watching playoff games and they're saying Joey Bosa instead of <laughs> Nick Bosa. Like, how do you not understand that? And then you see like Nick Bosa not get put into the all pro team um, over and, Max Crosby and, and Max Crosby could be in it, too. But I forgot who else is in it. Was it Robert Quinn that yeah, got in was, there? It like, was some that, ridiculous like that uh, doesn't make sense. Like it, it's it's a constant thing. Um, I've seen it in, in multiple sports. It's weird, and I can't really explain it. Yeah, and I think we've all, as long as I've been around, there's always been an East Coast bias, always. Yeah, and it's, but, and that, and I think part of it is that I think that part of it, as far as the 49ers are concerned, I think that's a big reason. Like, and of course, that's another topic for another show. But uh, I think I definitely think that's what was going on for the Warriors. Like oh yeah, the, it was definite East Coast bias because there was nobody on the planet that could honestly think that that the Warriors didn't have the firepower, like for there to be that large of a percentage. Eighty six percent. Yeah, like that. <laughs> what I was, I when I saw it, I was just like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like uh, I'm a Laker fan. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, and but I don't hate enough to not recognize the firepower that the Warriors have and the fact that. That uh, that I didn't think that the Celtics could match that, but yeah, like I would have given like the 2018 Finals with the KD Warriors and LeBron with Kyle Korver and J.R. Smith. I would have given that like 90, 10, 86, 14 this year. Really, like there's always that weird like just obsession with East Coast, and even if you want to go basketball too, like the infatuation that ESPN and national media has with like Jason Tatum. I was like, I never saw this guy like that. Yeah, and no. it's just he's it's, not a superstar it's always it's always getting pushed with, with east coast and, and it's it's annoying but it's whatever the best thing you can do is Trey Lance just, just go win a Lombardi trophy yeah, shove it down the and throat exactly force <laughs> like, them to talk about it and force <laughs> them to get Nick Bosa's name right yeah it's uh I hope Nick I hope when they if they do win it like uh, that that's the first thing Nick Bosa says is is my name is Nick Bosa <laughs> like yeah. period yeah but Honestly. it's like uh, in my mind, the main the main reason why the the uh, that I think the media hates the 49ers is because they're not exciting. They're mm-hmm. not exciting. They go in there. They want to go in there. They want to bully you. They want to punch you in your mouth and keep punching you in your mouth until you fold. And that's not sexy football. They want <laughs> like, Mahomes. Uh, they Josh want Mahomes Allen, to throw Lamar the ball Jackson. all over the place. Yeah, exactly. All that stuff. Make those spectacular plays no we've got jimmy g exactly <laughs> like, uh, yeah. and we're barely winning games but with defense and running game and they don't want they they don't want to see it. that's not marketable like yeah uh, so they're not gonna they're gonna say uh like uh just get give them some coverage because you know they won the game but like uh, let's get back to the, the mahomes highlights that, and, that's why when they cover them too it feels like they don't actually know the team they're talking about what are they really covering? They're covering Debo once he started like really going on that role. Like that's really what they're covering. They don't yeah. seem to really be in the know of everything else. It's just, oh, this Debo guy's putting up highlights. Now we got to really cover them. And it's, 
I don't know. I yeah. I don't know. In the NFL, it's harder to do that just because I feel like the NBA is more of a player-marketed league. You can see mm-hmm. their faces. There's less of them on the floor. You can get closer to them, whereas in football, there's obviously way more players. You can't even really see their faces. It's, like, harder to market. But in terms of, like, the team, like, yeah, I the Niners are not exactly the team that's going to be all over Sports Center top 10. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah I, I guess – because of that and, and i i guess that happens in all sports like the spurs would get that treatment i guess or the yeah, patriots sure. patriots could even get that treatment yeah it's they're uh i mean they're just always going to do that that kind of stuff and like uh and i think it, it bleeds over into the games because i even think that sometimes the refs have a bias against the four the 49ers just i mean bosa gets held all game long oh, like yeah. uh all game long and nobody's calling anything and uh, people put video after video of it happening. We get no calls. Like, uh, and then we hit somebody, or like one of our guys straight arms somebody. Like, all of a sudden, it's a penalty on us. It's just it. It happens on a regular basis. And but I, I just think that this is the year to where we just make it undeniable. I'm gonna speak it into existence. <laughs> and but uh, yeah, it if it, yeah, it's just frustrating. I'm always frustrated by it. Yeah, I mean, I I think this is a year where they can make a statement. I'm, the Cardinals don't have D Hop for six weeks. I've yep. seen that offense when he's not there. The Rams, although they got Allen Robinson, I still think they got worse. I mean, I know they got Bobby Wagner, but I still think that with the pieces they lost, I feel like they got a little bit worse. Um, the Seahawks, that's going to be fun. Um, yeah. <laughs> I look at the rest of the NFC, like Aaron Rodgers again. Please, I'll 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 take him in the playoffs. I really don't care. Um, AFC is you know, loaded. Like, there's not a quarterback gauntlet in the NFC the way that there is in the AFC. So I feel like there's a really good chance. There's probably only a few teams the Niners would have to go through. Whereas in the AFC, it's like Joe Burrow is like I don't even think I don't even know if you'd put him in top five in terms of talent quarterbacks in that conference just because of how loaded it is. So yeah. um, I think the Niners are in a good spot right now. Yeah, I think they are too, but mainly because everybody's already trying to hand the AFC like the, the best conference and every, and all that kind of stuff. Like they're saying that they got so much stronger in the off season every season. And I don't understand why nobody learns this every season. Some new breakout players happen yeah. on teams that Pete, nobody thought was going to happen. <laughs> and now like, uh, and now all of a sudden that power, that power weight just shifts over to the other side. And like, teams that you didn't think were going to be anything all of a sudden they're in the top of their division so Mm -hmm. but as far as like so i i just say that to say that that we don't we don't really know we don't nobody really knows like what it's going to look like and but i am supremely confident in our division because like you said i agree with everything that you said about our the guy the teams in our division and but who do you think inevitably wins the division because i know that we talked about the the rams didn't look as uh, they, they look like they got a little weaker, but who do you, do you think the 49ers win the division at all? I think they can, but I'm still going to give the edge to the Rams Mm -hmm. just since the season hasn't started yet. And they are the Super Bowl champions. I think the Rams still get it, but I think it'll be again, like really close. I think it's going to be really narrow. I don't see, I see the, I see it going Rams, Niners, Cardinals, Seahawks. That's how I see it going. Yeah. Um, I just think that 
with D hop out for six weeks. I mean, they're going to lose games with D hop, but him being out for six weeks already, is just going to cripple them. I don't think Kinsbury's capable of really giving them a game plan when he's not there. Yeah. Um, I, I think the Niners have a good chance. I just need to see a little, I need to see their first matchup um, against each other. That's yeah. what I need to see because if Kyle Shanahan still has their number and Trey Lance, because what we can see, for instance, like even the week 18 win that we had against them, I mean, it was not pretty. And if yeah. Trey Lance is a type of quarterback where we're significantly moving the needle over the Rams, then that's really dangerous because then I think at that point, I see it being like us in Tampa Bay, if that's the case. And I say Tampa yeah. Bay solely because of 12. <laughs> and I, and I, but I'll, I'll say this and is that we have exactly what Brady struggles against. It's true. And, and I've been, I've always been a Brady like fan, like uh, I, cause I'm a Michigan fan. So like I, I always root for my Michigan players, but uh, it's, but we have the one thing that he struggles against. He struggles against teams that can rush you with four and get pressure. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and that's, so I think if we get to that point, and he's the one that's in front of us, I'd be more confident. I'd be more confident that we're going to win. Like, uh, yeah. just because I think that we have the team to do it. Um, but with that being said, like, uh, so we're going to speak it into existence. Does Trey Lance, is Trey Lance going to play every, going to make it through every game this season? No injuries. You know what? I'm going to say he does. I'm going to say he does. Um, I think he'll get nicked up here and there, but I think he'll be able to play through everything. I think he'll start every game. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to speak it into existence. I'm going to say that he does. I I think that uh, that Kyle, like I like I said, I'm inclined to think that Kyle is going to use the same game plan and he's going to run the ball 34, 35 to 40 times a game. And I I think that the only reason why Jimmy would get sacked from time to time was because he couldn't move. And he I think he could that move. That's, he yeah. wouldn't throw the ball away. <laughs> like, yeah. I think I that mean, stuff Trey's fine with. Yeah. And I just think that this is, is this is going to be, I think that he's going to get minimal sacks. He didn't really, he didn't really trade in, even for the, the little sample size that he had, Trey didn't really get sacked. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, I'm, I'm really, I really think that he's going to stay out of harm's way. I think that he learned a lot from, from last season about staying harm out of harm's way. And, uh, and I think that Kyle, I'm hoping that Kyle learned something from running him into brick walls and that kind of stuff. So yeah, I think he's going to make it. I think he's going to make it through the, I'm going to speak it into existence. I'm confident he's going to make it through the season. Yeah, Jesse Jesse was in a space with us a couple hours ago, and someone was trying to make the point like, oh, Trey's probably going to take sacks. He probably can't process the game right now, you know, all that stuff. And then Jesse kind of brought up a stat where – I can't remember the exact numbers, but it was like um, six point yeah, something Lance. percent of the time Jimmy G would take a sack, whereas Trey Lance, it was like five point something percent of the time. So mm-hmm. the point was like first year in the league – not even playing for a whole year, already taking le- sacks at a lower rate than Jimmy G is as a pro. So and and most positive. of his were in the were in the preseason. Most of his yeah. were in the preseason. They weren't even in uh, the during the the, the get, little bit of games that he played during the season. Yeah. So, but hey, bro, I really appreciate you coming on today. 
we're gonna we're gonna uh, get out of here. But why don't you tell everybody where they can they can catch you on the socials again, and where are you gonna start your start doing your show? Yeah. So thanks for having me on again. So basically, if you go to my Twitter, um, it's Chris Polo two underscores in the display name. Go to the link tree. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. I'm like 15 away from doing a Nick Bosa jersey giveaway. Um, I put all my stuff on YouTube. I jump on other people's shows. I'm also going to start streaming there and on Twitch. And I'll put the audios out on Spotify, Apple, and Amazon Music. If you go to the link tree, it's all there. Um, I'm going to look to start doing my show. So I'm going on a trip to Spain in a couple days. And I'm going to be gone until next Friday. So um, I have someone working on an intro video for me right now. I got Roscoe to make me uh, some cool overlays. So um, I think Jobs I want to get Roscoe. here. Yeah. Chat, if you, if you are a content creator and you need overlays or if you need Anything. intro videos or edits, <laughs> any type of edit at all, hit him up. Not only does he make them great, he'll get it to you pretty quickly too. It's really quick. Good. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited to do that when I get back, probably sometime in like mid July, I'll start doing that. I'll talk about minor stuff. I'm sure there'll be some off season NBA stuff to cover as well. So I'll, I'll try to get some people on the shows as well. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm super stoked to have you on. It's always a good time talking to you, bro. Uh, like uh, I'm sure we'll see each other in the spaces again. Yeah. Hopefully we won't have to talk about the, uh, the Warriors and the Lakers. Like, uh, even though <laughs> oh, I saw, man. I saw that you're, I, I saw on Twitter that you, I, it looked like you're You're promoting the Lakers now. Like what? No, I, I don't know what no. Happened. So, so, I, I give the Lakers so much crap the way that Stephen A. Smith gives the <laughs> Cowboys crap. And I think Laker fans have really started to make me like their, narch, their arch nemesis. And, yeah. and I love it. And I'm going to keep doing it. I'm not going to stop. Um, and Roscoe, I would like make a joke about the Lakers any chance I get. Like any type of statement completely unrelated. I'd relate it to s- somehow to like a bad decision the Lakers made. And Roscoe, like at one point, because he made me a Twitter header where it was that header, but it was yeah. a Warriors edit. So oh, okay. he like changed it to a Lakers edit because he's like, man, Chris, you're a Laker fan. You talk about them more than me. So he yeah. made that header. Uh, yeah, I've never going to use that. Never going to use it. But yeah, like everybody, like, hey, I appreciate everybody for watching today. And like, uh, it, it was it was great having Chris on. We will be, like I said, like uh, I'll be on next week again. And we're going to keep finding stuff to talk about. Kind of somewhere. There's there's not there's not a lot, but like they keep the Niners have doing an outstanding job of finding something. There's always something that comes out that we can figure out what to talk about for an hour. So we'll be back next week, and and we'll be talking more Niners. The uh, but yeah, thanks. I make sure that you subscribe to Chris's channel. Make sure you subscribe to this channel if you haven't subscribed yet. Tell your friends, please. Get like so hit the hit the like button, bang on the notifications, like uh hit me up on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. Like you can also catch my uh the audio on any on your favorite podcast uh podcast uh, provider. So just go out there and get it. But uh, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks to all the people in the comments. Thank you guys for listening also, and I will see you guys next week. Mm-hmm.